Welcome to Drunk on Comics Podcast, episode 270. Oh. You I know like we're those, there? I like yeah. those even number ones. Now I never pay attention to that. Okay. <laughs> so I like it to be a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a lot of fun in store this week. Yes. Connor's here. Yeah. He actually said more than five words. Eh, what do you, I mean. He did a full review. He yeah. was just okay today. <laughs> Aw, mommy loves you. Mm. <laughs> But we did have some reviews of Iron Fist, of Batman, and, Sabrina. and some Sabrina. Yeah, yes. Uh, we got into some news about some DC animated movies, Tony's new favorite Netflix show. Of course, he has a new one every week. Yep. We also talked about some numbers at the box office with uh, Spider-Man coming out recently. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy Drunk on Comics. Episode 270, another Wheelie Gwait weekly podcast of dwinks and ridiculous reviews. <laughs> You're doing the write-up for this one. <laughs> <laughs> some sort of like spoof porn that has some sort of Ron Howard character in it. Happy Days, I bet. Wait, he directed Happy Days. He wasn't in Happy Days. Was he in Happy Days? I just like, yeah, he was. Yeah. But, I mean, that's where he got his kind of start as child wow. actor. He was He was on, what the hell was that show? Which when one? He, when he was the child. He was Opie on, fuck, that black and white television show with Don Knotts. And oh, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, uh, Andy Griffith? Yes, Andy Griffith. That's the name I was looking for in my head. I love how we're going down this realm instead of you yelling at your son for, wait, how do you know about porn? Oh, oh I know he knows about porn. <laughs> also, we watched Robot Chicken. So. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a better answer to where he would know <laughs> well, I worked, who Ron Jeremy is. Well, I worked is, Family but... Video, so he knew there was a room he couldn't go in there. and he, he eventually, into? Eventually, he had to know why. Wait, how do I... And actually, so we had to have that discussion, you know, because he's growing up in the age of the internet, whereas us as children had to be a little more resourceful when we were trying to watch porn. Squiggly lines. Yeah. <laughs> Just draw it ourselves. That one, you know? <laughs> that one weekend a year when you had free HBO. <laughs> yep. Uh, so I had to lay down the ground rules, like, because I know he's going to look at porn, so I had to be like, boobs only for the longest time, and... Just kind of lay those ground rules down. And if he doesn't listen to me, I don't need to know. <laughs> yeah. So let's not talk about that. <laughs> Always to make you uncomfortable, Linz. Whenever your son is in the studio, <laughs> I enjoy it the most. I think it makes him more uncomfortable than me. Okay, well... Uh, that works, too. <laughs> we do have to mention that, once again, Josh still hates me and yes. doesn't want to be here. What did you do to him? You know what I honestly thought it was when he didn't show up last week? Was we had talked about the Malort... Uh, uh, and you thought he was scared. And he, I thought he was scared, so he didn't show up that week. And then I'm like, all right, so I'll see him this week and make, you know, tease him a little bit about not showing up for that. And then mm. he didn't show up this week, so I'm like, just thinking he's waiting. He just hates you. He told me. Okay. He well, told then. me not to tell you though. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. He doesn't hate you. But edit. Wait. I'm going to edit that out. I'm going to have at one point later on. I'm going to ask you like, you know, when I'm not recording, like, so you say, oh, he likes you. I'm going to edit that in there. 
You don't do any editing. Uh, nope. <laughs> I'm not scared of that at all. <laughs> well, anyways, this is Drunk on Comics. Uh, today with me, I have Linz and her Hello. son, Connor. Hi. Connor Hi, has been Connor. working on his uh, vocal cords to uh, have better inflectuation. We'll see, though. Yeah. We don't call him kind of Connor for for no reason. It sounds like a mean nickname. He's kind of Connor, but it's only because he kind of talks when he feels like it. <laughs> But he does have a book that he's going to review today, which I'm quite excited to hear about that. All right. So let's get into Off the Shelf. Let's let's have you run with it, actually. Connor, what'd you read? Iron Fist 5. Okay. Tell us about it. This is going to be the kind of review from Kind of Connor. It was good. There was lots of punching. There was. <laughs> it was mostly punching. <laughs> and... So what's, okay, what, so you're on, what? it's five. Yes. So what's happened, because you read all of them, right? <clears throat> Kinda. <laughs> Hence the name. <laughs> so what, so what's going on in Iron Fist? He, some guy shows up at a bar that Iron Fist is in, and he's like, you're not the true Iron Fist, come to this secret island of Kung Fu. And Iron Fist is like, okay. <laughs> and then they go to that secret Kung Fu island, and then they... He's like, you have to be in a tournament to be the true Iron Fists. Iron Fist is like, okay. <laughs> so he punches a lot of people, and then he becomes a true Iron Fist. Okay. Is that where this book ends? He becomes a true Iron Fist? Yeah. Yeah. That's actually better than most of my reviews. Yeah, it, but... <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> So who's the dude? Does the dude not have a name? Are we just calling him the dude that comes to get Iron Fist? Um, I mean, he's dead now. Okay, so... The dead dude. The dead dude. He has his head cut off by some kung fu god. Kung fu god? There's like a council of kung fu gods. What? Council of kung fu gods. No, it's not Bruce Lee. Well, I mean, he is... Kung fu god, yeah. Yeah. But... And they're like... They don't like him because he's an outsider of Kung Lun or whatever. So they try to, yeah. Yeah. So they sabotage him, but he's since he's the protagonist, he wins. Your your description just reminded me of like Mortal Kombat, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) going to this neither realm island for the secret tournament. So so how much was it like? Mortal Kombat. It was pretty much just Mortal Kombat. Okay, was there a forearm guy or there's shifter? A, there's a zero arm guy. A oh, zero okay. armed guy? Yeah. That's kind of actually badass. It is. But yeah. he just do lots of kicking. Yeah, it was yeah. cool. Did he bite? Was his name Orog? No, but I think he had a move called the tender brisket slice. <laughs> <laughs> you were telling me about that. Yeah. Yeah. They have a lot of whenever they do like a kung fu move, they like to say it because it's like yeah. as they're like they actually say it or are they an, are they writing it into the story? They're writing so, it into the story, but I like to imagine they're saying they're, it. They're actually saying it's it. not in that book. Okay, I think it's in, in like previous the books. One. Yeah. All right. So, what do you think of what do you think of the story so far? Better than the TV show? It's not saying a whole lot, but yeah, I, th- I think it's pretty interesting, cool, good. Yeah. Yeah. You do love Iron Fist, so I do. is it is it living up to your expectations of an Iron Fist story? Yeah. He's still kind of boring. Is he? His personality. Is I 
So I'm getting the impression from all you Iron Fist fans, based on the recent material, that Iron Fist maybe has always been boring, and you guys just didn't realize it until now. No, he used to be badass. Yeah. They've turned him into a whiny bitch to go, as I always say, everything that they do in in media and everything, they have to tie it into the comic books when, why can't you leave this shit alone, do your thing on the TV shows, but yeah, he he was a little bit of a playboy, he was cocky and funny. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like a less serious Batman who had powers. So he would do shit with like buy a Lamborghini for he would like be Tony Stark in a sense where Tony Stark sometimes will just buy people rich things because mm. he can and like laugh about it. Danny Rand would kind of sometimes do that to kind of flaunt his his money that he had. It seems now he's everyone's hating on him even in the books like, oh, you're not the real Iron Fist like dude, he's been established for a while now. <laughs> stop doing these origin stories over and over again. Right. Or at least stay away from the Netflix origin story. The art in this is really nice. Yeah. I like the panel. It's got wacky panel layouts, which I always enjoy. Panels and panels and panels. He fights Mega Iron Fist. Does he? Is that the guy in the red hood that I'm looking at here who kind of looks like a lucha? Kind of, yeah. He doesn't have any, like, Iron Fist powers, but he's like that... He's like in the the guy in the TV show, TV show who's like, I could have been Iron Fist, but some outsider dude took my stuff. So, so he's like the the person that wants revenge. He feels like it was him, and then at the end he gets atoned and like, oh, we're best friends. Yeah, and then I'm pretty sure Iron Fist punches his head in. Oh, so, okay, so maybe not exactly like how they become friends in the end. Yeah, uh. it's actually really bloody. This. So well, yeah. I guess it is Iron, or Mortal Kombat. So oh. this is written by Ed Brisson, and then Mike Perkins did the art. Who are they? They are the people who wrote, wrote this art. book. Oh, cool. We like to give them credit when we remember. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> we don't always remember. Well, Connor, thank you for uh, bringing this to light. Uh, that was like everyone. a That was pretty good. It's an okay book, so yeah. if you want something okay, yeah. Connor yeah. likes pick it. it up. Connor doesn't read a lot of comic books, so anything that actually can keep his interest more than the first issue, I would say, give it a try. All right. I picked up this week uh, Batman, Elmer Fudd. Oh, one of those crossovers. Yes. yes okay. And, I was wondering well, about this okay, one. Okay, I lied. Actually. I, didn't pick, I actually picked up last week, but we didn't have time to review it. So I am going to review it because I have to say, like, I've pretty much reviewed almost all of them. There's a handful of them that I didn't. And I will say the most fun was still the Roadrunner, Wiley Coyote, because of the source material and the antics they could get and in. And Lobo's amazing. But I also have to say this one is probably the best one as well because of the source material and how they they put it together. Um, there, and as, as always, there's two uh, different stories. Uh, both were written by Tom King, who is Batman normal writer right okay. now. So. Um, we had Lee Weeks uh, and uh, Laverne uh, Kinzarski, uh, Lee doing the art and uh, Laverne doing the, the colors on the first one. And then the second one where it's the more uh, Looney Tunes-esque, yeah. you get uh, Tom uh, as well was the script, but uh, Byron uh, Vaughns was the art in there. And I'm going to start this one with the... 
um, the cartoon one because I really wanted to talk a lot about how the main story, how it was set up, was really, really well written and just is done. But I also have to say that this, throughout reading the main one, I was just looking forward to when are they going to do the duck season, web <laughs> season thing. And the second story paid tribute to that, where you have Elmer Fudd going after Bugs Bunny, and he's saying, it's not wabbit season, it's bat season. Mm. And all the bats around, and here comes Batman. And with this being a, a Looney Tunes-esque thing, when you get blown in the head, you just have smoke you know, and gunpowder all over your face. And so the antics of going to its rabbit season, its bat, bat season... When they used to do some kind of DC like crossover things, you used to sometimes have um, Bugs Bunny dress up in in the Batman suit, yes. and like uh, Donald Duck would be like in a Superman s, and mm-hmm. they would kind of sometimes do these promotional things, not really have the comic books of it. So lo and behold, you see that old iconic uh, Bugs Bunny being Batman again. It it got to the point where they're arguing back and forth, and I'm not going to give away the end of it because, like, I'm really trying to do a full-on review without spoiling a a lot. But just seeing how much, (laughs) when it's, you know, rabbit season, bat season, boom, to the face. You know, rabbit season, uh, bat season, boom, to the face. And Bruce Wayne's, every time he gets blown in the face, his mask falls off in a funny way and he has to put it back on. (laughs) So that, in all, was great. But let's get to the main... Story, which the is called, story. which is called "Pray for Me," <clears throat> and because lifts are funny. It, so Elmer Elmer Fudd's unique, you know, accent. Yes, his list. He's he's a narrator in this in this story. Oh no! So, <laughs> what would normally take me, you know, so long to read, took me Troy. Twice. Twice. Yeah, God, I can't even... It's like all my W's are R's and all my R's are W's now. (laughs) To read it in his voice because that's that's how it was written. He's narrating it. So when he is talking about uh, looking for, um, you know, Bugs enjoys his his wax snack and I dwink my dwink. (laughs) And while we wait for what's coming, we wet the west of the bar, fill the science... Silence. Like, that's hard to it read is. looking at it's it. It's hard to listen to. Yeah, and I don't really... When you read, you're normally not reading out loud. Right. And it's actually almost easier to read it out loud when you kind of... But, like, reading it in your head and you get that voice, you're just like, God, it just makes sense when you hear it or mm-hmm. when he says it, because you know what he's saying. But to read the actual words of how they're spelled, like... Um, There's W's in all kinds of places where you wouldn't think there would be W's. Yeah. And in some of them, like silence, like okay, silence, right. and and where normally it's the R's that he takes away right. with the W's, but I guess sometimes L. Yeah. I guess it's whatever really works in. <laughs> in this say way. W for super <laughs> yeah. weird for the rest of the podcast now. <laughs> so that was a perfect uh, part of the script, but really, what it comes down to is it was a very noir type uh, story, which mm-hmm. I really, honestly, hate. Noir? Yeah. Not a fan of noir? No, because the whole mystery of, you know, some dame getting killed and mm. and the mystery behind it, it doesn't intrigue me that much, except for this one did. And it's also really rooted in the Batman theme. Now, to have Elmer Fudd 
be a, a lover of this woman and <laughs> and then get told that he uh, Batman had or Bruce Wayne had killed her and kind of finding out the whole you know reasons at the end of this whole story <laughs> of why it happened I won't get into that too much however you you the the world he goes to Porky's uh, it's a bar it's, you know a little seedy with that some people makes in there so much and you come across bugs. Now, Elmer Fudd was a human. What they've done, which I also loved, is they made all these characters humans. So in Bugs is a human. Goth- yeah, so in Goth- so Bugs is kind of a buck-tooth person who's, you know, just eating some carrots up at the bar. And ah. he Bugs is who Elmer was hunting at first because he thought, you know, Bugs had killed right. this well, of his wife. And... <laughs> Which, when he kept saying, like, the love of my wife, I'm like, why is he wife? Oh, life. Damn it. <laughs> so, you kind of get, you know, sent into this murder mystery. But it was really this bar scene that really sold it to where I wanted to be more invested in the story. Because you have a short, like, uh, dwarf-type Tweety bird talking like Tweety. You have uh, playing cards with... Uh, Yosemite Sam with the long, you know, mm. mustache, mm-hmm. sounding just like him, F- a foghorn, leghorn type person. Um, the best was the bouncer, who was Taz, who yeah. made grumbling noises, and so at one point when there's a bar fight, goes Bleh! like <laughs> like Bobcat Goldthwait and Porky, who was the uh, yeah was the like you it, oh there was also what was really cool was a Marvin Martian type person who. Looked kind of like a bum with like an Escanaba or not Escanaba, like a up north type, you know, hat. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Picture those. And so almost like his iconic hat and just talking about, yeah, I will take over this world. So like you're thinking like he's a dumb oh, drunk. Like you a know, crazy, yeah. Yeah, guy in the corner. And even when it comes to the giant bar fight and how that comes about, you see all these individuals again after they've been established to say some of their, their famous lines and suckering succotash and, and stuff like that it it really made for for a, a great story overall right you have everything from the should have uh took a you know wrong turn at albuquerque and and at the end i mean not spoilers but porky goes that's all folks ah of course why wouldn't he so because of all this it and just the art was amazing seeing these people be like because you're thinking all right, it's going to be cheesy how they draw them, but they looked like Batman-esque. They yeah. looked really, the whole lighting and everything, it was dark, kind of a rainy night, some neon signs in the background. It was really, really good. So everyone needs to read these crossovers. They They've t- been perfect. They've turned out way better than I ever could have imagined yeah. them turning out. Because so, it was a little weird thinking about what they were going to do with these. This was the one that I was most curious how it would work out and what it would be and it was perfect yeah i, I hope huh. they have more i know probably not but maybe they were making a lot of money yeah, off well, of these things yeah. <laughs> all right so this week I, actually this week in comics was a lot of comeback comics for me ones that had been on hiatus that are now coming back and one of them which i don't even know if this will be consistent because this comic has not consistently come out since the first three issues but it was Issue 7 of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which I can't even remember when the last one came out. That's Yeah. It was I, months ago. 
Um, I can't even remember what's going on in the story. I have to go... Last I kind of remember marrying Cthulhu or something, or he rose. They give you on the back a nice little paragraph to kind of, like, if you've forgotten, because you will have forgotten. It's been that long. Does it explain in there why it's been for forever? No. no. I mean, I know the art is one of the big reasons, but it's just... I think that the... So this is written by Roberto Aguirre Sacasa. Sorry, Mm -hmm. that's probably not how you pronounce your last name. Um, and the artwork's by Robert Hack, but my guess is that, that they have other stuff going on as well that's probably higher priority, so they fit this in when they can, or maybe their schedules just don't, or they're just really obsessed with getting this story perfect, so it takes a long time. The art is, I would imagine, takes forever, because it's that, like, Franco Villa type art that's very old-style, reds and oranges, watercolor type, and... I can't imagine that that's like a breeze through Mm -hmm. art project, but so going up to this part, Sabrina, the marrying Cthulhu thing, I think that was in one of the art afterlife with Archie books. I don't remember if that was was in the Sabrina, but her Sabrina. Oh yeah, because this was had more to do with her in the past. Yes. Yeah, okay, how yep. she how she came into her powers and stuff like that. And in the previous books, her boyfriend Harvey Kinkle had died, yeah. and there was this I can't remember her name, Madam. Yeah, something. the creepy. Had, fucking... Yeah, she came back and she was like their their substitute teacher. They didn't know she was like an evil. God, it's all coming back. To right, me now. I know. It's been as, forever. As you read through it, you kind of it kind of comes back, but they do give you the nice little paragraph on the back that kind of like helps bring it back a little bit. I would totally suggest going back and reading the last one first, though. I did not do it, and I kind of wish I had. But, so this, at the end of the last one, her dad, Sabrina's dad, Edward, ends up coming back to, because he had died, or had been sent to, as you find out in this story, witch purgatory. Um, what, what purgatory? Witch purgatory. I'll yeah, which, that's what I'm asking, <laughs> which one? <laughs> um, <laughs> so he comes... He, <laughs> he comes back in the body of Harvey. So her dad comes back in the body of her ex... Well, he's not her ex-boyfriend. He died while he was still her boyfriend. But her dead boyfriend. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know it yet, that it's her dad. Um, and at the end of that book, he goes to visit... Or he goes to Harvey's house, and his mom has gone crazy and killed his father, Harvey, who's dead. His mother had gone crazy and killed Harvey's father. And when Edward gets there in Harvey's body, that's what's going on. And he's, of course, very excited about it because he's an evil witch. So he just, like, sits down and is, like, taking it on. I think he eats Harvey's dad a little bit. <laughs> like, he just eats him because he's an evil witch. But this entire uh, issue is about the history of Edward Spellman and where he got to where he was and him starting as a young child in the church and, Mm -hmm. you know, coming up in the ranks and stuff like that. And he had a gift for summoning demons, so that helped move him along until the point where he had um, gotten so powerful that he could summon Satan himself, and and that caused him to become a powerful figure in the church. And he orchestrated, like, the killing of the head, the high priest of the church, and um, come to find out that he had the spoilers... He hadn't ever summoned Satan. It was all a big ruse that he had orchestrated with another demon. So there's all these, like, lies upon lies that are building. And it is so much like when you read about all the 
weird shit that goes on in like the Catholic Church, they're a hundred percent like doing that except making everything opposite. Okay. So like, you know how we say what the hell? They say what the heaven. <laughs> And stuff like that. But it's like, it's definitely very much the same political structure of like the Catholic Church and everything they do to like bring people in and go up in the hierarchy. And this, this, this high priest was promising Edward that, you know, if he kept on the path someday he would become dark pope and stuff like that. So it was very much like they were totally drawing from the hierarchy of the Catholic Church, just making it evil, which... Some may argue is the same thing, but we're not going to get into that on Drunk on Comics. <laughs> but it was it's very good, and it was very interesting to see how they would twist things around to try and make them fit like an evil pathway instead of the good pathway. And, uh, you know, it gets, it, it gets into how Sabrina was born and how her mother was immortal and how that was looked down upon and how the sisters, her aunts, Hilda and Zelda, found out about the whole thing because Edward's their brother and how he, they're the reason why he ended up being sent to Witch Purgatory. I mean, I'll, I'll say from this only being, what you say, issue seven that just yeah. came out, that now they did have a basis uh, made off of the afterlife with Archie, yep. but they also had the basis of Archie, so people knew these characters. Mm -hmm. But this is a whole different world, and what I love about comic books is the world building, which doesn't come about this quickly. Right. But this book, you, with reading them, you're like, wow, this just seems, this fits here. I can totally see that. Coming out of left field, some of this shit, you'd oh, yeah. be like in a normal comic book being like, where that come from? But you're just like, this is the world. It mm -hmm. seems natural. Yep. Yeah. And it, Well, and they, they, I think they have to push it kind of faster the world building in this because when I think of Sabrina the Teenage Witch I think of that TV show with Melissa Joan Hart like oh, that's, yeah. that's the first thing that comes so this is a complete like total opposite of like anything same with Afterlife with Archie though like that's kind of a complete opposite of what Archie is but even more so with this because it is literally like the mirrored version of what would go on in an actual Sabrina the Teenage Witch book or TV show. But I have to point out that Edward Spellman in this book looks like Eddie Munster. Oh yeah, like very 100%, much so. Down to his little collared shirt and every and his little vampire V widow's peak in the front of his face, he totally looks like Eddie Munster and his name is Edward. So I don't think that that's a coincidence Who's that? at all. Eddie Munster was the youngest child of the Munster family. Munster. The Munsters was a TV show. Is that the Adams family? It's right like now? the Adams okay. family, but it is not the Adams family. It's yeah. like Adams family light. Yeah. I think Adams family came first. I'm not sure. But I would have to say definitely stick with this book. If you're reading it and you're like, I just I can't. It doesn't come out often enough for me to be able to keep track of it. Especially for this issue, it almost doesn't matter because this plays into the ongoing continuity of the story. But it's also kind of a story in and of itself. So it's just really interesting to see how they twist things around and make them evil and dark in this book. But yeah, check it out. Awesome. So, Catch up on it, too. Dark Pope? Dark Pope, yeah. It's the name of my band. <laughs> it's a great na band name. Yeah. <laughs> Is he in the book? The Dark Is Pope? Is there a Dark Pope? No, he says he could become the Dark Pope. Uh, but it's, I mean, it's... It's funny because you're seeing this from a child's perspective. So even though it's 
all evil stuff. Like, he summons demons, and they're like, why did you summon me, child? And he's like, I'm just practicing. And they're like, oh, okay. And, like, so these demons are just like, oh, you sweet child. <laughs> Child's play. And stuff like that. Like, um, I don't know that demons would do that, but maybe. <laughs> anyway. All right. That was a lot of reviews for us. Three. Mm. Wow. I'm tired now. Was that the end of the podcast? <laughs> no, we still got lots more to go. All right. Mm. What's next? We got some news? Yeah, let's do uh, Best on Tap first. Okay. If we don't do it now... We're going to forget. Like we'll never we do done it. the last couple yeah. weeks. That is one segment that, oh, even when we first started many years ago, it would then eventually... Yeah. Well, and you know, there's not always a Best on Tap. I hate to say it, but there is just isn't always yeah, a Best on Tap. Yeah, but this week there was a couple good contenders. There was uh, Diablo House, which really made me want to almost pick up because of the creepy intaker like person with the surfboard mm. and the whole uh reason about this he's the narrator of this you know diablo house and telling the kind of eerie stories of the people that have stayed there so kind of almost like a crypt taker okay there's a couple uh ash versus the uh, army of darkness which those are always just great because they're kind of funny and groovy <laughs> But uh, we started pinpointing it more to what we thought would be great. And I didn't realize it at first, but Marvel versus, or Deadpool versus the Marvel Universe again, or kills the Marvel Universe again, sorry. I didn't know that was coming out either. Yeah, the, that there was a second one or that it was coming out at all? That it was that there was a second one coming out at yeah. all. And so those were kind of funny in themselves, but we got to give uh, our buddy uh, Jay Fosgett uh, props because his was one of the variant covers and very very good very cartoony like um, his definite he's definitely got like that young like that scotty young type style to his stuff and yeah and when i talked to him he, he was saying how he was like happy that they included his uh what would you call it title the deadpool title oh. with it kind of chopped bullet holes because a lot of times when covers do cover they just do the cover and they will put whatever the the main because they have working titles and how they look like um like stranger things has kind of like the or like star wars like the fonts are certain ways right. so you gotta kind of keep those with that, yeah so he is quite proud of that however we are going to have to not choose that one because it's still deadpool related but uh spider-man and deadpool number 19 yes no more jokes it's so simple. It's it is, so clean. It, but it's so graphic, I think, is why I loved it so much. Just Spider-Man being crushed under the no more jokes. And it's got to be, it's a, you know, how many Marvel covers have there been where people are underneath something, like that, like holding, trying to hold something up or being crushed under a rock or something like that. So it's totally a throwback to those kind of things. But also the idea of Deadpool and Peter Parker or Spider-Man, sorry, spoilers. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Deciding not to be funny anymore? What the fuck? Like, that's that's not going to be good. That sounds like a terrible, <laughs> terrible mm -hmm. time. But, Especially Deadpool. Yeah. Spider-Man. Spider-Man? Yeah, when you... Crackers. I mean, they look kind of the same. They yeah. go both. That's yeah. what they do. They're yeah. wisecracking. Yeah. I mean, you They've know. They've done serious Spider-Man stuff before. They have though. done serious Spider-Man stuff. But when he's around Deadpool, I think that Deadpool's not a good influence on Spider-Man at all. Nope. No. Who did that one? 
Um, the cover was Ed McGinnis. Okay. Cool, cool. Good old Ed. All right. Well, let's get into some news and notes. Easy news. So what do you got in the news, Connor? What? I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm supposed l- to be prepared, Connor. Uh, I would like to start this week by sending our biggest condolences to the man himself, Stan Lee, who lost his life partner this week, Miss Joan Lee, who they were married for 69 years. That's a long fucking time. I'm trying to block that out, mainly because... I am afraid of what's going to happen. Oh, because Stan. they're oh. one of those older couples. Usually one goes right after yeah, the other. Like, I know. That thought came to my mind, same. too. Because that's generally how true loves work, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, I I really, yeah, it, it stinks all around. It stinks when someone loses a loved one. Right. But when you have that sort of, I've never seen anyone really kind of Pull through it and... Just live ten more years. Yeah. Which I... Here's the thing, too. He was immortal. Yeah. He was going to live to be 200 years old. Right. Only this, Joan was there with him, yeah. though. Um, so we have to give Joan some props here, because without Joan, we wouldn't have the books that we love so much. Because at one point in time, Mr. Stan Lee decided he was going to quit working for Marvel... And she convinced him to stick around and write one more thing that you can be proud of before you leave. And that was the fan, ended up being the Fantastic Four, which made him stick around for the rest of his life, pretty much. So without Joan pushing Stan, we wouldn't have the Fantastic Four, who is Tony's favorite. Yep. We wouldn't have really? the X-Men, which are my favorites. We wouldn't have Spider-Man. Smile. Which is Connor's favorite. I like how you just shoehorned your that being in there because your mom said it. Like <laughs> yeah. she, I gotta say this. Spider Man has been one of Connor's favorites since he was a very small child. I think that's everyone's. Yeah. So. I don't like Fantastic Four. Definitely know. some. I'm sorry. Some, some love goes out to Stan, and you know it's, it's it'll be it is it is sad thinking about what's gonna happen next, but you know he's old. He's a fighter. Yes. So he'll stick around just because he's old and ornery. <laughs> True. Is he a janitor? Is he a janitor? No, was he a janitor? I don't... He might have been starting in... Yes, in one of the movies. Yeah. Because in, like, every he cartoon... Everything. Plus in every cartoon, he's a janitor of, like, Avengers Tower, too. Or well, something. that's because it's a, just kind of a joke. It's yeah, I know. He's I always just, there. He's always around. I he's just thought he was watcher. actually... He's the watcher. Yeah. He's the next door neighbor. Yeah. He's a DJ at a... Booby play. Ah, that was the best one. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> oh, um, so I saw why we'd ever talk about commercials is beyond me, but sometimes they can be pretty nerdy and funny. They can be. And KFC just had one of the best tie-in commercials that I feel that I've seen in ages, tying in with Game of Thrones, which really comes cool. out in another week. Uh, season seven and if you guys haven't watched the show or catching up or whatever a bit of a spoiler but uh, one of the main characters one of probably the best only non-ambiguous like he's 100% heart of gold yeah uh hodor we learned uh in a recent season what his name stood for right and with that being said He's there at KFC with everyone ordering chicken and fries, chicken and fries, and going through the whole scene of how he got his name, chicken fry, chick fry, chick rice, chicken rice, 
to where now at KFC, instead of chicken and fries, you can get chicken and rice. Hmm. Very simple, but like it kind of pulled. Done. Yes, pulled on my heartstrings and yeah. made me be like, oh, I will go get those just for you, Hodor. <laughs> So, very, very awesome. And yet, just more proof that nerds are where it's at right now. Game of Thrones isn't really nerdy anymore. Oh, please. Everybody watches that. That is just more proof that... You don't need to be a hipster to be a nerd, dude. Nerd culture is... I mean, everyone can enjoy it, and it can still be nerdy. Like, it's the hipsters that are like, well... Now that those people are talking about it, I can't talk about it anymore. Yeah, hipster. Not, I've never not talked like, about it. Hipster millennial. Yeah. <laughs> Connor doesn't actually watch Game of Thrones because I'm know, too, oh, yeah. it's too mainstream. <laughs> also, there's too many boobs in it. For yeah, that's ever, never stopped <laughs> me. Anyway. <laughs> He's going to be like tuning in right now. Um, so Netflix uh, just debuted Castlevania. And it's amazing, but way too short with only four episodes. Wait, really? That's dumb. They're dumb. They do that a lot, though, because they just did that with the the second second season, air quotes, second season of The Seven Deadly Sins was only, like, three or four episodes. Well, partly, though, and that was just bad on their part to say it was the second season. Right, it was, like, in it between. It was filler, yeah. and, and that's mainly because the anime over there in Japan is not even complete for their full se- for them, this wasn't even called a second season. It was called in between episodes. I don't know what they mm-hmm. have the term for that. So Netflix should have just kind of said, "Yeah, it's not second season," and let people wait. Just like how we've been waiting forever for Attack on Titan, mm-hmm. which unfortunately we're also only getting a short uh, amount yeah. in the next season, mainly because they can't turn them out as for as good of the art style is on these shows. They just they want to put the effort in, so they're not going to rush it. Right. Which I kind of partly... I like, feel like anime's always kind of been like that. That's why there's always a hundred seasons of everything. It's not because they've been on for a hundred years. It's because they do really short seasons. Well, also, why we get some, some of these things way later, when they've already kind of been fully completed over there, so when they do the, the dubbing or everything else here, you know, we can right. sit as Americans and, and be like, give it to me now, instead right. of waiting. Yes, because... We are Americans, and we want it all yes. complete now, especially thanks to Netflix. <laughs> yeah, so one of the great things, though, that uh, with uh, Netflix has been kind of, you know, cutting down on some of their original ones and adding more, Castlevania seems like it's going to be a front runner, uh, especially because uh, when asked about uh, whether there's anything from the games that they couldn't get in this first uh, season, well, this Castlevania, you know, say, well, that's, you know, that's just season one. Season two has already been greenlit. Um, episode order is at eight, so mm-hmm. they doubled it. So live action? No, no. it's uh, anime. Animated. Oh, it's anime. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Did you not hear us talk about anime for the last ten minutes? I thought it was just Mister. I can both. hear everything because I'm like Daredevil. <laughs> I thought it was just a coincidence. Oh. <laughs> That's how his life works. Yeah. He's fourteen. Everything is coincidental. <laughs> yeah. Nobody puts effort into anything. He's just kind of listening. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm excited to hear that they are having a second season, and also them saying that the second season isn't even where they see it ending at. Right. But are we going to go the route of having to wait? And how long to wait? Because they don't even know when, you know, this would 
be coming out. Right. So they probably don't even have it really started yet because they're kind of waiting to see how... I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, though. Americans could learn a little patience. <laughs> Plus with anime, you either get good art and really bad story or meh art and, you know, and like good story. So there's right. nowhere that it's good art and good story? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's very sure about that. Yeah, actually, but if it is, it takes... Like Attack and Titan. Takes time. Yeah. Yeah. Time. time. Yeah. Basically, he's reiterating what you said, but kind of more understandable. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> um, I saw something today that I got really excited about, and um, not being a fan of most of the DC movies except Wonder Woman, which I have to add, Josh and I went to the movies to see Baby Driver the other day, and Wonder Woman was sold out. Somebody was trying to get in to see Wonder Woman, and it had, and it was a Tuesday, and it was sold out. And it wow. wasn't the 4th of July Tuesday, it was the Tuesday before that. It had completely sold out, Wonder Woman had, on a weekday. It was a good third, movie, Third, fourth week that it's been running. So, awesome job, Wonder Woman. It is a really good movie. But, I do have a quick question, though. Baby Driver, I've heard about it, what's... So, Baby Driver is um, written and directed by Edgar Wright, Edgar Wright the mm-hmm. guy who did Hot Fuzz yeah. and Scott Pilgrim. Son of the Dead. And it is totally like a gangster type movie where um, Baby, this guy's name is Baby, he's a driver. <laughs> yeah. That's the name, Baby Driver, for this, uh, he's like a, a boss type who runs like these crews to either rob banks or like... Part of it was they were going to steal money orders from the oh. post office. And he's the driver. He's just okay. a really good driver. Um, the story is really w- good. The music, the soundtrack to this movie was fucking amazing. What and it synced up with everything, too. Anything Edgar Wright is pretty yeah. well done. Yeah, it was. I would definitely suggest seeing it. I knew it was going to be good because I love Edgar Wright movies. But this was an excellent movie. Yeah. But anyway, moving on. Yep. Um even though most of the DC movies themselves have kind of sucked, the DC animated movies have always been, like, their wheelhouse, on point. The newest one was kind of bad. Which one was the newest one? The, the Teen Judas, Titan ones? Yeah, where they turned Deathstroke into a pedophile. What? Yeah, Deathstroke was, like, pervin on Terra, and Terra actually kind of liked it. Well, Terra's oh. fucked up. Yeah. But. And plus, just the story and I like everything how he said was kind of bad. Groovin on Terra. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I said Pervin, not Groovin. Oh, Pervin on Terra. <laughs> I wish I said Groovin, though. <laughs> I'll edit that back in. No. Okay. So, the next one, there, there's a new one coming out soon, which is a Batman Harley Quinn title, but the one that they've announced after that is going to be a Elseworld title, and it's the Batman, the Gas. Gaslight. Gotham Gaslighting. Gotham by Gaslight. Yep. Which um, takes place in, like, the Jack the Ripper era, where Batman is, Mm. that's what he's doing. He's going after Jack the Ripper. Is that the one where he's a vampire? Or is that a different one? No, that's a different one. Mm. Elseworld books are books that have nothing to do with current continuity. There are other, well, they're... They're like the multiverse of DC. Well, recently they've made them the multiverse because they added that whole hyper time thing mm-hmm. to it to make it so that they can cross paths and influence each other. But prior to that, they were completely like their version of what if books. Oh, yeah. Well, but what you got to know, though, is the what if books also in Marvel coincide in some universe where right. they can physically go there. 
So yeah, that's what I meant to say there, what ifs, but when Marvel said, well, they're all real in the pocket dimension, yeah, right. DC also has a world where Kingdom Come happened. Or... Right, and that's the, because Kingdom Come is the one that made it, because these elsewhere, Elseworld books were completely, like, they were never going to come into play in the continuity, and Kingdom Come is the title that made them want to be connect part of it, yeah. yeah, because it was such a great story. <laughs> but, like, Flashpoint is an Elseworld. Money makes things connect. I know, I know. Uh, Red Sun is an Elseworld. Um, so there's been a ton of them, and I think it's really... They're great stories. They're some of the best stories. They're the best stories. <laughs> so I'm excited about this one, and I hope it does really well, because I do want to see some of the other ones come. They've done Flashpoint, but they haven't... I know, and like out of, as you said too, they do a lot of really well written mm -hmm. and animated movies, better than their live action parts. It's, I'm just, I'm super looking forward and happy that Batman is finally coming out in the spotlight. Like, out of all their animated movies, I mean, to really pick finally Batman to have one, because it's just like, out of looking at all of them, I don't see how he's in more than three quarters of them. <laughs> That really picking another Elseworld of Batman is right on their choice well, for being dynamic. To be fair, though, this was the very first technical Elseworld book. So it makes sense that this is a place to start. Okay. They I, did books before that. They were called Imaginary Stories. That was, that's lame. And that's what, what? that's what they called their... Anytime they did a non-continuity book, it was... Superman imaginary stories. So, like, they did one where Superman and Lois Lane got married, which they've done since then. But, you know, back in the day, it was like, oh, my God, they got married and lived happily ever after. That could never happen. Um, but, yeah, they called those imaginary stories. And then they switched it to Elseworld. Okay, I guess I can give them a pass then if yeah. that's the reasoning behind mm -hmm. But seriously, though, there are so many Batman animated... Like, Batman had his own fucking TV show animated. Like, well, really, yeah. you could do... A good Aquaman and another Flash one. Right. Even that one just wasn't focused on Flash. It had right. a lot more things going on. Right. I mean, All Star uh, Superman was amazing. That was a Superman one. I could deal with even a few more Superman animated. Mm -hmm. They could do Red Sun. That would be awesome. Very much so. Well, I still hope that they do a live action, which there's been rumors, but those have just been rumors. Yeah. And you know what? I, I feel like it wouldn't be done well no. with what DC. Because they try to put everything connected. Right. You, they do not understand how much money they could make. People may be confused, but when everyone else and the nerds get around saying, no, this is the Superman movie you need to see, right? and you have it start and end even how that movie starts, or the comic book starts and ends, it, it would be really good. And then they could make so many other Elseworld live-action ones. I feel that, that that's, the route, that's the route they need to go. Stop trying to do what Marvel did. Right. Don't have them all interconnected. Have them be fun stories, because hmm. the whole connected world... It's a, it's a lot of work. 22 hour... Or not 20. 22 movie story arc that Marvel has done is... No one would have thought that was yeah. possible. No. No. At all. Not never. No. And, li <laughs> and, like, and having Spider-Man, as we've talked about before, uh, being part of that now as one of the interconnected movies, I mean, they're, they are... As we say, they are printing money. Uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming for its official opening weekend, two hundred fifty-seven million worldwide. Wow. Uh, one hundred forty million at the international box office. Um, 
and still 117 uh, expected from domestic uh, over the weekend. It's killing it. And most people that I've seen review it or talk about going to see it have loved it. There's been a couple people oh, who have been like, oh. I read a terrible review. Did you? They said that the most suspenseful part was when their kid got their arm stuck in, like, the cup holder. Which, first of all, how does that happen? Oh, their own child? Yeah. Yeah, how does that happen? Second of all, that <laughs> movie was so... Like, the car ride, the train... Not the train, the boat part. Yeah. Like, Did you watch all it? Of it? Yeah. Are you, okay, so are you going to critique this person's critique? Yeah, that's yeah. what he's doing. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I really like that movie. <laughs> um... The, a couple, a couple of my Facebook friends have been like, eh, and I'm like, really? Yeah. And they're I like, saw... it's childish. I'm like, it's fucking Spider Man. Of course, it's child. Spider Man is everyone's first hero. I'm not hey. gonna call out a certain uh, <laughs> person whose first name starts with the letter J, but uh, <laughs> there could be so many people in our circle. <laughs> yeah, but a certain one. Let's just call him J. Uh, he said it was okay. I know, that yeah. pissed me off. I'm like, you don't just say, that's a Connor review. <laughs> I give a good review. We have more words so. than okay. Yeah. It was stupendous. He is doing He is doing a full review of the movie on his next podcast. I know. So he can't give too much away. But Would you say it's spectacular? We've already used those puns last Amazing week. ultimate. Okay. We yeah. actually, the exact road we went down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fine. Which just means that, you know, you're just as funny as we are. Yeah. Yay. But it, uh, the, the movie also had, though, it's got some hurdles to make back some of its money. Only in because it has one of the largest budgets they've ever had for uh, promotions. Yeah. I think that was like 147 I saw, which they did not need to really do that. Like, And here's the thing. I think it's Hollywood mumbo-jumbo shifting money around type right. shit. Because to really spend that much promotions, no. Shell corporations here so that the money doesn't make it here, so that the actors that have dividends don't get paid what they need to, but yeah, the studio owns this. It's all fucking bullshit, and it's shitty that they would do that, but they don't. And we're going to see more and more budgets going up for how the movie didn't make any money, but yet it their promotions. Money. Well, and that's the. So the reason why going completely kind of off topic but not really so the reason why kevin smith has done his own self-promotion is because when he did zach and mary make porno Wait, excellent what? movie um the studio spent so much money on promotions to no avail because that movie tanked in the box office even though it was, though it was really it was literally one of the best kevin smith movies he like did. it was not a kevin smith movie it was just a good movie Huh? Who did that movie? Kevin Smith did Zack and Mary. Yes. I did not know that. Do you live in my house? No, I don't. <laughs> that's, that's true. Connor saw the title of it yeah. and thought it was something totally different. So, um, but after that, after they fucked him over on the promotion of that movie because they wouldn't listen to him about how to promote it because it was Zack and Mary make porno and it had the word porno in it, so it was a very delicate situation. He was like, fuck this shit. I'm not spending that much money on promoting something when I can do it myself mm -hmm. much easier. And they probably didn't need to put as much money or time into promoting Spider-Man. Spider-Man kind of sells itself. Mm -hmm. Although, I've, but... I've, I've, well, I've heard some some bad reviews, which I agree with them, on some of the posters, okay. the promotioners ones, where they made it look 
like a you know how like on the front cover sometimes of yearbooks and they'd have like look like stickers and they just kind of like make a collage but look kind of cheesy yeah. because of it's a yearbook and right. everything there was a poster that was like that so it had like what looked like a spider-man sticker put it here some writing of like tony stark standing up and it looked terrible and that was an official poster for them yeah. where people creative online were like i could do better with just Microsoft Paint, and yeah. some of them did, so... I think the movie companies need to start getting to the point where they crowdsource some of this stuff, because mm -hmm. there are fans out there who would do a way better job at yeah, doing that stuff. there's a lot of good fan art. Huh? Like, fan art. Fan art is always way better than most of the promotional material that you get from anything, so... So as you are talking about, you know, uh, Kevin Smith and how he kind of financed his own mm -hmm. shit, uh, Todd McFarlane is... Pretty much hit a dead end for the Spawn remake, reboot, whatever they're doing. For the best reason, I think. Oh, very, I, yes, I agree. 98% with him. Okay. And there's this 2% where I also kind of in, uh, because from every source, it has been talked about the movie that he wants to make with Spawn is more of a, a horror type, uh, Spawn is in the background. He's not the central character. And I He's will like the Babadook and the Babadook, where it's he, an idea. Yeah. yeah. He will show up kind of there, but it's following a crime, and it's going to ha have Sam and Twitch, who are oh, yeah. two also main characters, which if you've ever seen the HBO uh, animated series, watch that. It is phenomenal. Spawn has a lot more kind of time in there, which I feel that they don't want to have necessarily for this movie. But his vision, and it's his property, mm -hmm. he wants to protect it. He doesn't need people fighting over it. The thing is, he wants to be head producer, head uh, direct, director, script writer, everything. Yeah. That I say yes, I agree wholeheartedly with your thoughts. The problem is that he wants to do all these. I don't see the director thing. No studio no. would just give money to someone who hasn't really directed right. anything. Right. Maybe if he started doing a couple smaller movies that became really well, right. there would probably be a place that says, hey, you're not as green as this. Because there's it's a big difference between writing comic books and doing all that stuff. Even I thought at one point I wanted to be a director and stuff. Yeah, it's, a there, it's a lot of work. Yeah. I don't know how some of the shots and all these right. pans and everything. I trust the dude, but I don't think... He has a vision of what he wants to see. Let someone do that. Right. Why wouldn't he be like the creative director then instead yeah. of the actual director? But then also when it comes to Hollywood, if they're footing the, the bill for a movie like this, that's a lot of money that then yeah. they're going to want to have some say in the script. That's what I agree with, with McFarlane is that he doesn't want them anywhere near. However, what you think would be best said, sometimes you want to have a second opinion. Right. Have someone... At least look over it, maybe give some suggestions, but then you have that, and then they automatically, if they make a suggestion, are a co-writer right. for any small thing. So I can also see why he doesn't want that to happen. The biggest thing is he's saying that he could make this for $10 million. Hmm. I Well, if he's going this direction, where Spawn is an idea in the background and very little appearances, he could make it for $10 million. Because all... Everything that is going to cost money is going to be Spawn. The animation, the CGI of the Spawn character. Everything else is just really good acting and set design. 
It, yes, but even then, and yes, so it won't be a superhero budget right. with a lot of uh, it's like a stuff. It's a horror movie. Horror movies are notoriously the cheapest movies to make. Oh yeah, like Saw was like one million and made like a hundred million. Yeah. Uh, Paranormal Activity, the first one was like six hundred fifty million or not six six hundred thousand mm-hmm. and made over the franchise like two hundred million. Blair Witch was also just as cheap. There's a new uh, horror movie so coming out soon that has Rooney Mara in it. They made that movie for like, I want to say they said it was like a thousand dollars. And But see, <laughs> the thing is, because some of those are shitty, I think Spawn fans are going to want a little bit more Spawn because the reason why a lot of people pick up those comics, and it is Neil Gaiman that pretty much started making more of the mythos because right. Todd didn't know kind of what he was going to have all tied in. He had the fucking plasma leveler at the beginning of the series of how he has only so much power but has unlimited until it goes to zero and all that getting retconned but in a continuous kind of way because they've you could read them straight through mm-hmm. other people added to this mythos of the angels and the demons and and how there's this giant war that's why people read spawn right that's why i want to see a movie not that i wouldn't see a sam and twitch movie but also call it a sam and twitch movie right. Knowing Spawn will show up, don't call it a Spawn movie. That's fair. I, di- I don't... Yeah, so the horror part, though, too, could be great, but I want to see some motherfucking chains and fire yeah. and brimstone. I did not like the Spawn movie. A lot of people John did. Leguizamo? Come on! Was that... Was he the clown? Yes. yes. Oh, I hated him. I hated the clown. Connor, man. We... Did you hate the clown because you hate clowns? Like, no, I love clowns. Like, you hate it clowns. in a good way? No, I thought it was just annoying. He was like Jar Jar. Oh my god. Oh, Nowhere yeah. near Jar Jar. And, and John Leguizamo. He's the shit. Yes, John man. Oh, I think Kevin, if they're going to do a. I think Kevin Smith could do a. Could do. Sam Twitch. Sam and Twitch? No. 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 He did Flash. I, I love. Don't get me wrong. If you ask me what one director would you like to direct anything else you see in the world it would be kevin smith but there are some things i'm like i don't think he would be good at that anything that's like overly serious although he did red state and that was kind of serious but he doesn't write the the flash episodes he directs he simply just directs them. i know but... and he barely does that he's admitted he just kind of shows up to set and is like oh maybe you guys should move over an inch and that's pretty much all he does the whole time he did batman <laughs> he did batman yeah batman cacophony he wrote Batman Cacophony, yes. Exactly. He did, you're right. Bow. Apologies. <laughs> I know more about Kevin Smith than you do. You do not. Yeah, that's not true. <laughs> that's true. Uh, Connor, do you have any other news for us? Um, I'll take that silence. I, I, need, like, I feel like I need oh. to, when he's here, I need to download like a cricket sound app on my phone. Oh, and I, sure. can I was just... thinking... Right. Oh my god, it has been forever since... I remember I used to use yeah. my app thing. Oh, and that pissed Derek off so much. I need to re-download that. Just, I'm all for sound effects. Mm-hmm. Just, I love them. <laughs> Mainly because I would do the... Oh, for, or the cricket sounds. When, well, you'd be used... Yes, the cricket sounds after a Derek joke. Yeah, no wonder he would get mad. <laughs> Derek thinks he's the funniest man on the planet. Is that the teacher? No. Who is the teacher? I have no idea who you're talking about. There's a social studies teacher. That's Matt. That's Tony's brother. <gasps> oh, hey. Yeah, my brother's <laughs> got good comic timing. He's funny. Yeah. Derek's funny to look at. Derek, Derek's brother. funny in his own Derek way. 
All right. Uh, well, if that's all the news we have, uh, it is kind of getting, you know, reaching for scraps now because in a couple weeks, San Diego Comic Con. Yep, Nerd Prom. Where we will have a lot of Homecoming. more news. Nerd Prom. Home, homecoming? No, it's bigger than Homecoming. Okay. I well, see what I'm you're just, trying to okay, do. It just yeah. doesn't work. It does, though. <laughs> Stop trying to make it happen, Connor. That's not how you make it happen. (laughs) Fetch is never happening. (laughs) So with that, uh, I guess that's the... Oh, we got a new booze booze in a book. book. So the other book that I picked up this week that had been on hiatus for a while was The Wicked and the Divine, number 29. And the story is still amazing, even though things have changed in a way that you wouldn't think the story would still be good, it's still a really good read, and the art is always on point. Um, I am pairing this book this week with The Alley Cat. It's a cocktail. It's half part gin, half part passion fruit liqueur, half part violet liqueur, and uh, half part sweet vermouth. So there's a lot of halves there, which doesn't really make... Uh, sense mathematically, but <laughs> that's the way the recipe goes. So we'll you know, put holes in there. Yeah, um, and I'm doing the alley cat with the wicked and divine because this is a very Sakmet, uh, heavy storyline. Who is the female feline war goddess, and she's got some crazy shit going on in this book, including <gasps> oh, lots of murder. Cat. Yes, lots You're of murder. So clever. Um, and it kind of gets into her a little bit into what she thinks the most evil thing she's ever done in her life, which was eat her parents. But (laughs) (laughs) definitely a good combination because she is nice to look at, but you don't want to spend any time with this kitty. (laughs) So there you go. I like cats. Not this one. She would eat you. Well. She would eat your face. She would probably try to have sex with you and then eat your face. That's about this character. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. So, uh, Connor, you got any uh, teenager words of wisdom for our listeners? Turtles are cool. I I like turtles. (laughs) (laughs) That's a perfect thing you could say, Connor. Stay thirsty next week for more Dwunk on Comics. Waskly Wabbits.